0: Father, whenever something new would come. He'd always set me down. Whether well, my brothers and sisters have a private conversation. Whether it was starting first grade, or whether it was starting my freshman year, my sophomore year, junior year, whether it's starting college, whether it's my first call. And my dad would always, at the beginning of the year, he would call me and he would say, Paul, want to cover some things with you, okay? And I think it's thoughts uh, of my father doing that that has prompted last time I preached. Uh, whatever will happen in your life this year, it will not be in the realm of fate, good luck or bad luck. It will be God. It will absolutely be God. If it's in the realm of blessing, last year or this year, it'll be gotten. And if there is some trial that you go through, got to remember Mike's comments when fear or worry come into play. I know that's you, Satan, knocking at my door, but I have Jesus. And this circumstance, whatever it might be, this circumstance is in his hands. There was a second theme early in this year, early in this decade that my Father would always bring out, and I want to bring out to you, my Father would always tell me the most important thing you will do this year is you'll pray to God. Because if you don't have a conversation with Him, you will lose so much in the realm of knowledge, discernment, and love. And that is exactly what I want to preach on today and the good Lord willing next week. Philippians 1, Pastor Shower read it, uh, has a New Testament lesson. I want to read it a second time, make some comments. Uh, Philippians 1 verse 3. St. Paul, or, yeah, St. Paul, when he writes this, he's in prison. He's not in the Mamertine prison there in Rome, the brutal location where he ended up before his death. Upon this first arrest, he's under house arrest. He can come and go as he wants. There's no strong strictures. He cannot preach the gospel, but he can certainly write his letters. And that is what he is doing to the church at Philippi. I thank my God every time I remember you, and he has plenty of time on his hands. He's under house arrest. thank my God every time I remember you and all my prayers for you. I always pray with joy, as well as should. The church at Philippi didn't give him much trouble. Corinth had a lot of issues going on. So did Galatia, so does Ephesus. But Philippi, though they're going through persecution from the outside, they're a pretty decent lot. There's not a lot he has to lecture them on. Every time I pray, I pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day I was ever among you until the present time. I am confident of this, that he, namely God, who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. What's the good work? Part of our liturgy, first Sunday of every month, we talk about good work. What's the good work that Paul's referring to? What's the good work our liturgy refers to? John 6:29. one day the disciples came to Jesus and they said, what good work, there's the term, what good work must we do to be pleasing to God? And Jesus said this without hesitation. This is the good work that pleases God, that you believe on the one whom God has sent. When the Apostle Paul writes in this letter, I am confident that he who began a good work, he's talking about faith. The one who began a good work in you will carry on that faith to completion until the day Jesus comes for you. It is right for me to feel this way about you. I have you deep in my heart. For whether I am in chains and cannot preach the gospel, or I am out there defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. You are not embarrassed that I'm in prison because you know the reason I'm in prison. It's not because I stole anything or killed anybody. I'm in prison because I'm preaching the gospel that you and I both love. God can testify how I long for all of you. I wish I was with you. And this is my prayer. That your love may abound more and more. That your knowledge about God may abound more and more. And that the depth of your insight. Discerning what is the best thing to do in any circumstance. May that grow more and more until the time that God comes. And you may be pure and blameless in His sight, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Christ. And if you have all of these things, if you grow in love, reaching other people, if you grow in knowledge, understanding and embracing God and more and more, and if you grow in discernment, you desire that the glory and the praise be to God. That's how He ends that section. You desire the glory and praise not to come to you, but the glory and praise goes to God. Right? Didn't Jesus say that in Matthew 5.16? Let your light so shine before men. Let your love so shine before men that they may see, see your good works and give glory to God. The disciples came to Jesus one day, uh, Luke chapter 11, and they said, teach us how to pray. I suppose Jesus had gone off praying and Peter and John are saying, where's Jesus? And, and they say, well, he's off praying again. And maybe they said, hey, what's he praying about? And they say, well, we don't know. So when he comes back, I can envision Peter or John saying to him, Lord, we know you are out praying again. Can you teach us how to pray? And there in Luke chapter 11, you have the great model of prayer. Our Father out in heaven, let your name be kept holy by me. Don't let me do or say anything that will put you or your kingdom to shame. In front of other people. Let me keep your name holy in public and in private. Our father art in heaven. Let your kingdom come to me. In all of its glory and wisdom and love and strength and peace. Our father art in heaven. Let your will be done. I can envision Jesus praying this. Let your will be done by me. Your will for me is done the cross. But your will for me is to be your ambassador, your representative on this earth. And then he comes to an interesting part of the model prayer. Give me this day my daily bread. And you leave it in his hands because what you think is your daily bread might not be a good thing for you. Your daily bread might be to get a 32 on the ACT test. Your daily bread might be to be the best quarterback in the state of Illinois in high school. Your daily bread might be uh, add another $10,000 to my salary, Lord. Your daily bread, you fill in the blank. And God might look at what you think your daily bread should be, and he might shake his head and say, no, that ain't going to be good for him. That ain't going to be good for her. Or he might say, yes, that would be good. But what you do when you say, Lord, give us this day our day to bread. You're asking for his wisdom to come into play in your life. This day, this week, this month, this year, this decade. And then you pray. Forgive me my sins against you, Lord. Forgive me my sins. And that just doesn't include the sin itself. It includes Satan coming to you, bringing up those sins perpetually. As you get older, maybe you dwell more on them than when you were younger. Look back upon your life and you say, oh my goodness gracious, how could I have stood for Christ and done this or that thing? Lord, forgive me my sins, and that includes my ability through your Holy Spirit. Do not dwell in the realm of guilt or shame. The sin is forgiven. And then in that model prayer, May it be, Lord, that I am able to forgive others who sin against me. That I don't have hatred and anger built up in me because of the way someone's treated me. Help me to forgive them for the peace that gives me. Forgiveness being the greatest healing ointment on this earth. Lead me not into temptation. Ironical, the Bible says, James 1.13, when you are tempted, let no man say, I am tempted by God. And here in the Lord's prayer is that, lead me not into temptation. What he's saying is, keep that temptation away from me. You know my weak areas. You know my besetting sin. Keep that away from me. And if it comes, deliver me from the evil one. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to man. God can make a way of escape. Deliver me from the evil one. When he comes whispering, let me understand it's his voice. And let me come near to you and chase him away. And then that model prayer ends. Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. When you pray the Lord's Prayer, you're praying it for yourself. Pastors will often pray it when they're over the bedside of someone who's getting ready to leave this earth and go to heaven. We'll pray the Lord's Prayer. But when you pray it, that prayer is for you. Apostle Paul said, Philippians 1, when you pray for others, When I pray for my grandchildren, which I do every day. When I pray for Josh and Rachel, which I do every day. For Connie and myself. I pray these three things. For Miles, Lucas, Elena, and Cecilia. I pray these three things. Lord, help them to grow in love. I don't pray that they're great athletes. I don't pray pray that they're great academicians. I do pray that they, above all else, are kind and loving in their life, starting at an early age. And then I pray that they might grow in their knowledge of God through things that happen to them when they're six years old or eight years old or ten years old or miles now, almost sixteen. Lord, when the things in life come to them when they are reading Your Word, when their parents are saying to them when something good happens, hey, that came from God. Or when something bad happens, uh, Josh and Rachel reminding them who's with them. Help them grow in their knowledge of God this year, Lord. Through Your Word, through their parents, through the circumstances of life that come to them. And then certainly I pray, Lord, help them in their discernment. Help, helps easy when she's at school today to make good decisions, not bad. And when Miles, a sophomore in high school, is surrounded by his peers and they're heading in the a direction he should not head, give him wisdom and discernment. Those three things, folks, I'm going to cover one of them this week. Love, growing your knowledge, growing your discernment. As to what Jesus would have you do. Let me, let me just cover love here for a little bit. Abounding love. Imagine a cup slowly being filled with water. When the water reaches the top of the cup, what happens? Does it automatically stop? No, it doesn't. The water reaches the top of the cup and it spills over. That's the picture Paul has in mind. A love that is capturing an individual, a love that is invading like an army, an individual. A love filling the hearts of those believers in Philippi until their love overflows, cannot stay in sight of them. When God is talked about in the Bible, we understand his power, but it doesn't say God is power. The implication is strongly there. We know that God is wisdom. It doesn't say that God is wisdom. The implication is strongly there. But it does say one thing about God. It does say God is love. If there is one uh, adulation that is applied to God, God is love. And so when the Apostle Paul writes, that is the foremost of the three, I pray that you might abound in love. Well, not to be surprised, Jesus, the one whom the apostle Paul followed, John 13 verse 33, he says, a new command I give you. And I can see Peter and John discussing it. What, what is he getting? Is this the 11th commandment? Uh, Moses gave us 10. Is this the 11th commandment? Jesus said, a new commandment I give you that you love one another. He doesn't stop there. He says, by showing love, all others will know you are my disciples. And He doesn't stop there. He says, as I have always loved you for these past three years, and in a brief time, I'm going to climb that cross to show my ultimate love for you. As I have always loved you and shown love to you, you ought to show love to others. Five times in two verses, he mentions that word love. It's not a sappy word, love, as you find on Valentine's Day card. But it's a word that is filled with so much power, one can barely grasp it. Love has the power to overcome hatred toward an individual. Love has the power to make jealousy disappear. Love has the power to make rage disappear. Galatians 5.19, there's a list of the things Of the flesh. And it talks about dissension and discord. And hatred and anger. And slander and every evil thing. The very next verse. Says the fruit of the spirit. Is love joy peace and the rest. Right after talking about hatred and anger. There in Galatians 5. Fruit of the spirit is love. It will conquer all those things. That Satan desires to disturb and destroy your life. You ought not to be surprised. Apostle Paul. Saul at that time is on the road to Damascus. He's going to capture other Christians and destroy their life. And what does God do? Knocks him off whatever he was riding. And when he knocks him off that horse. He declares himself to be God. And the Apostle Paul becomes Saul, becomes the Apostle Paul, and he lives the rest of his life for the kingdom. Paul will always remember there is one reason that God knocked him off the horse. There is one reason He saved him from death and unbelief into the knowledge of his Lord. The one reason was love. And I think that's why Paul wrote about love so much. First Corinthians 13, uh, the love chapter, end of it, he says, these three things remain, faith, hope, and love. Greatest of these is love. Why is that the greatest? Why isn't faith the greatest? Because faith only affects you. It's your faith. My father's faith doesn't save me. My grandma's faith doesn't save me. It's your faith. It's your connection with God. Your faith doesn't save your children. Your faith is an individual thing. It'll manifest itself to others. They'll know you're a believer. But your faith is an individual thing. What about hope? Faith, hope, and love. What about hope? Why isn't that the greatest? Because that too affects only you. It's your hope. I have certain hopes. So do you. Sometimes they're the same. Hope for peace within myself and peace on this earth. But it's your hope. And your hope going to be different from my hope. Your hope is going to manifest itself in the way you are. Faith and hope, individual things, when you come to love, love cannot be an individual thing. The only way love can manifest itself is by touching someone else's life. And that's why it says these three things remain, faith, hope, and love. Greatest of these is love. Because that power has to overflow to others. And if it doesn't, you're in shallow water. And if it does, you have reached out into the deep waters. Grow in the depth of your love. That's what he said. Grow in the depth of your love. If you're a soul, if the boat called your soul is two feet deep in the water called love, one prays that by the end of this year, the depth of that water in your boat called the soul is four feet deep. If 30% of your heart is love, one prays that by the end of this year, through circumstances in your own life, through your growth in your knowledge of God, and through other people throwing love at you in the most needful time, one prays that the 30% of your heart that is love will be 60% love by the end of the year. Grow in your depth in this thing called love. Who's watching the Super Bowl today? Raise the hands. Get them hands up. How many of you are just watching the commercials? Four hours, man. Okay, should I tape it and watch it in two hours or should I watch the whole thing? Raise your hand. No. You're going to watch some great athletes today. Garoppolo from Eastern Illinois University. Are you kidding me? Right? Quarterback of the 49ers. Connie could tell you all about it. <laughs> yeah, right. You're gonna watch, uh, some superstars today. You're gonna to see some Pro Bowlers today. And when you got a Pro Bowl football player, the other football players next to them are kind of like high school or college players. The skills of a Pro Bowler, uh, they are so extraordinary. They have worked hard, but they have something else called instinct in them. Mahomes or Garoppolo, they won't look at the first receiver, the second receiver, They'll be looking at the third receiver and it'll just be second nature to them. It is extraordinary the talents a superstar in any sport has. There's an instinct that none of us can even imagine. You look at the realm of art. How can someone paint a picture like that? Because they see what you and I don't see. There is an instinct in them. There is something that whispers to them. And there appears that art on that canvas. A great musician, you sit and say, how in the world can they play like that, whatever instrument it is? They have an instinct. They hear voices and noises and tones that you and I don't hear. And there it is appearing on that instrument. When the Apostle Paul is talking about love, he's saying, I want love so deep in you that by instinct, by instinct, the love comes forth by instinct. Martin Luther once said, a Christian, when they're asked to do good works, they've already started doing them before they are ever asked." What he's saying is the Holy Spirit brings an instinct to you. How far does your love extend? There's a gentleman at Cracker Barrel not too long ago. He's out in the parking lot. He's got uh, three jars of strawberry jelly in a, a paper bag. And before he makes it to his car, paper bag splits open and all the bottles of strawberry jelly go crashing to the floor. How far does your love extend? I watch people and they try and get away from him as quickly as possible as if they weren't seeing what was going on. Okay, I see someone else go rushing up to him, putting his arm around him, Are you all right? I'm all right, just a little bit embarrassed. And then I see others come and help him clean up the mess, take him back into the store, buy him three more jars, make sure that there are double, triple bags this time. How far does your love extend? Classmate at school dropping their books all over the floor, other kids walking by, kicking them or joking or making fun, How far does your love extend? Will you bend over, risk throwing your back out and helping them pick up their books? How far will your love extend? Pastor Sauer heading to Alaska again this summer. It's always part of his annual summer entourage. There's something in his heart, in the hearts of those who have gone, who want to reach out to those 15, 20, 30 kids or their families For the kingdom, how far does your love extend? Elijah Flerkey's got a video in a couple of minutes. He wants to thank our parochial school for bringing him up the way he was. He wants to thank this congregation for supporting the school and for supporting him as he went to the Lutheran youth encounter this past summer. How far does your love extend? In March, March 8th, we're going to be introduced to a lady, Rachel Myers. She was a teacher at St. Paul's in Kankakee. My good friend Dwayne Faraby, a colleague of hers, all of a sudden she up and quit. She didn't retire. She quit because she figured God wanted her in Uganda. And that's where she went. We're going to get to hear a little bit about her ministry in Uganda. How far does your love extend? On Mother's Day we've got an actual individual who was a sponsored child whose life was completely transformed because your love extended to this child whom you knew nothing about. And now he's starting to be a minister in a Baptist seminary. How far does your love extend? I can hardly wait till October because in October, Feed My Starving Children is going to be back here. And we're going to have 600, 700 people in that gym and we're going to be packing food and raising money. How far does your love Extend. I do not pray that those grandchildren are great in academics, though I hope. I do not pray that they are great in athletics. I do not pray that they get jobs or to make a hundred thousand dollars. I don't pray that they get scholarships to college. So I hope. I do pray one thing. Lord, may those four grandchildren just be kind. And may their love extend not only to their siblings, not only to their mom and dad and their grandma and grandpa, but may their love extend to whoever crosses their path. Thank you, Dad. Because that was always his lecture, his encouragement. That was always his encouragement. Paul, fill this year with love. And you'll reach many for the kingdom. And you'll have a peace within you that you would not have otherwise. In our Savior's name, amen. Would you rise as we pray? In all of his letters, in all of his prayers for people, the Apostle Paul always mentioned that word love. And so it is mentioned on this Sunday morning as the most important thing that we can grow in in the course of our lifetime and circumstances of this year and of this decade. Help us to see a need. Grant us the courage to move toward that need. And when all is said and done, may the person whom we have aided give thanks to God that evening For the gift you sent them that day. Love extended by another human being. Such things we ask in our Lord's name. Amen.